0: Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard. I'm joined, as always, by Dave Gurney, Carlos Cooper, and we are here to do something that uh, we're here to do something a little different. We do not have a new release uh, feature. We have a new release short film. Semi-new release. And... New-ish. New, new, new to wide uh, d- distribution. There you go. Yes. Easily seen <sighs> by American eyes as of recent. Yes. And uh, before that, though, we're going to do something something a little different as well. We're going to talk about the Oscars and of course uh, I don't think that's that different at this no, point. No, we we kind of we we tend to start out episodes. Well, we had our big year-end episode where we talked true, about our yeah. best films of the year mm-hmm. and yeah. then we had our most anticipated of 2020. It just uh-huh. makes sense. We got to cap this year off by what did happen at the Oscars, so we're going to have an Oscar beer. Speaking of the most anticipated episode which came out last week, um,
1: as of the day of this recording, uh, one of the most anticipated films that we all mentioned, or that we all agreed upon at least, is getting a trailer release tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, that's right. Uh, Wednesday, February 12th. Um, and what is the French. Conne- dispatch The French Dispatch I want French Connection It's a different <laughs> movie That would be great uh, If Wes Anderson Did a French Connection
2: remake yeah, I, I'd, yeah. I'd love, love to see His take on it. Popeye Doyle I'd, I'd Owen Wilson
1: Is much Popeye more Doyle
2: I do so. Well could have Gene Hackman He has yeah, used yeah, Gene Hackman he, he has worked with Hackman before. Popeye, Though I think
1: Popeye's not getting game. around As quickly as he used to. Yeah But we have to open it. beer Let's open a beer Let's moisten our glasses And
0: you know That we have dedicated 2020 to conquering The entire country One state at a time I'm glad to say That tonight We are crossing Another state of our list with
2: mm-hmm.
0: maui brewing company mm-hmm. do you know what state that's in
2: <laughs> <laughs> for for our listeners who are uh, geographically challenged that would be in the great state of hawaii and
1: it's also a lot more joe i don't know why you didn't open that one i was this one's for me <laughs> I,
0: I don't know it's also a lot more readily available than a lot of the beers that we drink yeah uh because yeah, if true. we can get that down here i looked it up um, Maui Brewing Company is now up to about 40,000 barrels. So they're you know, a decent op- a sized operation.
1: Jesus Christ. What happened? And That's so many. Oh, oh. <laughs> so much beer. I,
0: I, I thought something hit you in the head. No.
1: Right? That? Math, oh.
0: math hit me in God. the head. Okay. I would also like to point out that uh, we got this one for our sl- slut for Coconut Carlos. This is their Coconut Hiwa. We believe it's pronounced that's, that way. Porter. That's 12 million gallons. Yeah, that's a mm. lot of beer to get all the that way down lot, uh, I think. across the country. Mm-hmm. This is a 6.0 ABV Coconut hiwa Porter. We looked up the word hiwa, It means a little bit of everything, but we think that it has to do with uh, the idea that there's coconut in it and that it is a uh, pleasant shade of black. A dark beer. It's yes. a dark beer, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so Joe is pouring that into the glasses, and, and as he said... Um, we're we're going to use this opportunity here at the top of the show to to kind of reflect on the 2020 Oscars, um, of course, awarding films that were released in in 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, what a, what a Oscar ceremony this was. I know Carlos was saying before we started recording that he wasn't able to actually watch the telecast, um, uh-huh. but honestly, watching it, I, I it was the Best Oscars telecast I've seen in years. Really, um, for various reasons. Because of Eminem? Uh, no, that would be the one thing that detracted from. <laughs> no, I don't hate Eminem. No, I thought But it just—it was. But it, just, it, was, it, was, but it thing, was kind but... of a non sequitur. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It just came out of it it was, was... I understood
0: the connection, and I liked the crowd's reaction. I, yes, right. The, I enjoyed the crowd's reaction as well.
2: Marty falling asleep, and uh, Billy sort of looking side eyed That's, kinda, that's uh, the last and thing. And I, then, I then a few producers like really jamming.
0: Her. Huh? As I said a few of the producers in the front for you, Rose. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. But of course, we'd have to say. I mean, I liked it too. I liked the telecast very much. Mm-hmm. But I would uh, also we have to we have to we have to say parasite. Was we there was there a parasite? Host? Well,
2: no, there. Th- so as of last anymore, year, they right? kind of switched to that model. Remember when they had all the trouble with Kevin Hart and they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they went to that. When the no, trouble with we,
0: Kevin Hart was manufacturing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have no specific uh, hosts, so we're just going to bring on a series of different celebrities to kind of do bits. bits and, yeah. 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 So Love a bit. I, the closest to an opening host was Steve Martin and Chris, uh, Rock. Chris Rock came out, who had both hosted themselves in right. the past yeah. and
0: sort of joked a lot about how they uh, threw at the actual hosts. Yeah, and they and, threw yeah. shade at the Oscars in lack yeah. of diversity right. and all that yeah. fun yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But Parasite, 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 that's four. I said Parasite four times because it won well, four Oscars. Right. right. What was the fourth one?
2: So, screenplay. Director. Uh, director picture. International. Oh, picture? yeah, yeah, yeah. B- best yeah, yeah. picture so, in, in general film. and best director. Yeah.
0: Didn't, <laughs> it, didn't it feel cool that, like, the one that we unanimously chose as our favorite films without discussing it amongst one another w- won the Academy Award? Well, it actually made me feel like I was questioning, are we just basic
1: bitches now?
0: Uh-huh. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... No, I thought this was much better than Green Book.
1: No, I... <laughs> I think no. I think they were just going really out of their way to show that they're like diverse, not just diverse, but Inclusive. like not in, none of that stuff. Just that like they're paying attention to what people are saying and are trying to correct some past neglects of just like. Well, I do you think know, you know the 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 Academy
2: brings more members in year by year and others age out and so i think i think there's some turnover there that's going to happen naturally i also i do think there's probably there is a an awareness of the need ultimately to find ways to be more inclusive and and more not even just inclusive but acknowledging a diverser range of films right yeah. i mean yeah there so so i think that that plays into it to a certain extent the other is you know, you always look at these things, they're calculations, right? I mean mm-hmm. the the filmmakers who get awarded, the 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 actors that get awarded, the the crew and everything, they often don't get awarded necessarily for the film that they really deserve it for. You know, case yeah. in point, Martin Scorsese, he won uh, director for the party. Which was which was a great film. I like that movie. But Raging Bull, sure. Taxi uh, Driver. Taxi, I mean, there were many films. They the might have missed the Go, didn't
1: we talked about Dancing with Wolves, beating Goodfellas, right? Dances That's the thing that yeah. Dancing yeah. with Wolves, yeah, well, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, Kevin I mean, so you know, there there's like some of that.
2: With but, <laughs> but I think that actually kind of worked in favor of finding the best picture this year, in the sense that it seemed like one of the front, the the couple other frontrunners there were mm-hmm. 1917, right? Mendez has been recognized in the past by the academy yeah. so there's no for sense a film of he should have been fair well or, you know we could debate that but yeah, yeah. Th- i mean at least one that was much celebrated and in its moment you, you know was uh, was awarded heavily um so he's had his moment uh you have uh, scorsese with the irishman the other front runner being once upon a time in hollywood right tarantino also has been recognized yeah. a, a few times so it kind of felt like all right, well, you have these pictures that, sure, they could deserve it in a certain year, but, hey, they already have it. Why not vote for the film that really stands out and did something um, just head and shoulders above but the But I rest? think that that
0: support came later in the game. Because you have to remember, the ballots are due five days before the ceremony. Mm-hmm. So that means that public opinion can be swaying these voters sure. or friends or whispers within the community, which is more likely. Mm-hmm. And I, my optimistic heart says that at the end rush there, because yeah. if you look at awards season, Parasite was beginning to pick up some momentum there toward this deadline. Mm-hmm. My optimistic heart believes that they said, you know what? We're going to be judged by this. What is the best movie? And they picked it.
1: Yeah. Well, it, I think that if it was, if public pressure weighed into it as much as you're suggesting, then. Daddy Sandman would have gotten some recognition. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I think that a big would be a fast. But yeah. I think that, um, I think a lot. I think some of it has to be like. We know that we are, you know, take Law La Land for instance. That we know that we're so far up our own ass that anything that's not from a Hollywood studio is gonna usually get shunned or yeah. neglected or whatever. There are clearly really good films that don't come out of the major studio system and at some point in our 90 year history we have to acknowledge that you know well and i and i think that you know this this is
2: also a factor of you know a lot of people talk about the campaigning that goes on yeah for for winning these awards which is kind of unfortunate that it has to go that way but i mean that said bong joon ho is just about the best Campaign uh, figure that you could possibly have. I mean, who, so likable, right? I mean, who could he come was away? Loved that night. Who could come away from seeing that guy yeah. and his like genuine love of filmmaking and other filmmakers and, and, and humility? And, yeah, it feels like. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, he I, made the
1: two Oscars kiss, make out. He made them <laughs> make out. That's right.
2: He, he's what more he's, could you want? Well, and and my colleague uh, and I were talking about it, and he's he's Korean, and he mm. was saying that you know for him the thing that stands out about Bong Joon-ho is his sort of combination of you know he is an absolute visionary creative talent but he's also very childlike uh-huh. and very kind of um, pure in a weird way like it that and and that comes across even not yeah. being able to speak korean you know i can hear that in his voice i can sense that when he when he's talking about things there's like a a genuine kind of just enchantment i think he was having it was a wonderful and that was part of what made it so pleasing to watch is you're seeing this guy who richly deserves these awards getting them and he's just having the time of his life i mean the first one he got i think it was screenplay you're if you Mm -hmm, remember the the other guy who was talking he's kind of standing behind and you can just see him like gazing at the statuette that he's holding in his hand and it's like i've never seen anybody that enamored with the award itself, and and that was kind of lovely. That yeah. he, you know, th- this is a big moment for him and for the Korean film industry. Right, and one can only hope that it will, uh, that it will continue to have such success. But before we drown out everything else, were there other awards that y'all were surprised
0: by, or shocked by, or pissed off by? (laughs) Um, I guess I wasn't surprised by it, but... No, because I I went in thinking 1917 was going to get the whole thing, because that seemed to be the trajectory. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until these last few days that Parasite could be a thing. So the idea, then, that the cinematographer of... uh, Nineteen Seventeen, Roger Deakins. One, okay, I think I said it in our review that I could see this easily winning a cinematography sure. award. Sure. And um, the other one, editing, Ford v Ferrari. It's so again yeah. one on my list that I haven't seen. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, Deakins is for sure one of the best, like, working cinematographers out there. But he did also get his fi- finally was given an Oscar for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Right. That was his first. Uh, so I would have liked to have seen Lighthouse be acknowledged in some way. Mm. I we talked about it before. I knew it was a long shot, um, and I you know I don't know whatever about Renee Zellweger. I guess I don't really care. There's nobody in that I, category I need that to I see feel. Judy. I'm no, not, you I'm not
0: see it. You'll see. There's yeah. no
1: one that I feel strongly enough about other than Saoirse Ronan. Um, but like I can get the transformation thing that Renee did to warrant that. We all knew Joaquin was gonna win. I'm kind of just tired of his speeches at this point. That's like the only, (laughs) the the only reason that I was upset that he won is just like, shut up, man. Come on, like how many times can you make this into a huge thing? Like, um, obviously, Bong Joon Ho, we have a uh, duty with our celebrity to do so. uh, Music, um, yeah, but the vegan thing. Come on, shut the fuck up. Like, (laughs) being vegan is just as destructive to the environment as anything else is. Like, come on, like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Get over yourself.
0: Or, Uh, or maybe focus the speech. Cause his speech went everywhere. Sure, yeah. Um, I did, I did like I, the I, nod
2: I, to his brother at the end. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not necessarily. You know the biggest fan of his speeches either, but I did like that he capped it with that nod to River, and that and that seemed like a, an appropriate sure. gesture.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a bummer Rocket Man won anything because it probably shouldn't have. But... No,
2: you know that that I that stood out to me as well. Where I, yeah. I hadn't even I haven't seen Rocket Man, and I hadn't really heard the song, and when they performed it on
1: on the broadcast there. I just yeah know, I mean i was yeah. just kind of shrugging I'm like e- really I yeah. don't know I, Elton
0: John on stage gets rated.
1: I feel I feel like it was pretty well known the Joker would win score as well um, Bombshell did deserve that makeup and hairstyling though because they fucking crushed it like on that movie like she looked like Megan Kelly like yeah. for real for real no sure that- um, visual effects film editing mm. uh, well, I'll edit all this out uh, shouts out Laura Dern we're going to talk about her a little bit more yeah yeah um, uh, you know, I don't. With the exception of Kathy Bates and Scarlett, any of those other two would work for me. I mean, I didn't have any problem with that. Yeah. Really, um, the Obamas won an Oscar, right? The right? American Factory. Yeah. They were they were executive producers. I yeah. think on it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, everything else is kind of makes sense. Um Brad Pitt, that's cool. He was good in that movie. Yeah. Um Nothing. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted anyone else to get that one from that list. <laughs> I thought he was the. I think he's the best of the list. I. I also think that. I. I would have. I wouldn't. Well, I haven't seen the two popes
2: yet, so I wouldn't really want to comment on that. But I could have seen Pesci getting it. I, I did like the kind of restraint. And actually, Pacino throughout most of the Irishman, I was. I was pretty happy with his performance. I wouldn't have been troubled. But then again, these guys have gotten awards. So. Like, and I don't know. think that
1: those performances were good enough. Yeah, I don't mind the Irishman walking that.
0: away with nothing. Mm. And I'm glad yeah, to I know either. that uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has something by uh, a star by its name. Sure. Yeah. sure. There's, but there's I think
1: I think the thing that we really should have probably talked about is the independent film right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, where your boy Willem in DeFoe. The awards. awards, yeah. Your boy William DeFoe won um, best
1: supporting actor. And our boy, uh, Daddy best Sandman actor,
2: gave a great speech.
1: Did <laughs> yeah. you watch? And
2: the Safety the brothers. Brothers, brother's speech was so great. good.
1: For those listening, the Sandman speech was in the like ridiculous voice he does in his comedies uh-huh. uh, for the entire thing, uh-huh. and basically told the Oscars to go fuck themselves, called them all feathered-haired douchebags, right. which I loved. Um, but the Safty brother's speech was particularly good because it was totally nonsensical. And if you haven't watched it, they both give speeches, both brothers, but at the same time, and it is hysterical. It's, and yeah. you watch everyone in the audience look at them going, How long are they going to do? It? <laughs> is this going to be the whole thing? And it's so good. Like those two speeches are really great to watch. You should watch the opening uh, song and dance number that Aubrey Plaza did, which is really good. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, yeah, overall. Okay. I, I would like to say I'm happy that Bong Jun Ho has become such a fantastic ambassador for foreign film uh i we were, me and my daughter were talking today he has a blank check now the beer is good it is it is yeah. you know it's a solid it's a tried and true shelfy these yeah. days here, here in texas
2: i shouldn't say it's not available everywhere but if you a lot of places it is i think 20 states um you know if you're uh looking for a nice not too heavy coconut porter you could do worse you know this is i still it's hard for me because i i love the um oh god what what's the one that oscar blues does the death uh, by coconut yes death by coconut is one that i've i've really enjoyed over the years and it has a much more coconut forward oh, yeah. kind of flavor it's real this face. one the coconut's much more subtle yeah um i get i get more of the mocha kind of yeah. um you know slight like coffee
1: there's a hot fusion one too um Oh, cocoa, yeah, that Añejo. cocoa and That's uh, good. That one's. It's an. I mean, it, that one's a stout. Yeah. The other two reporters, right. and, the, and I
2: think this is the lowest ABV of any of those. So yeah, it's a, so. you know it's a little lighter in body, which is fine. It makes more it drinkable. Easy to drink, yeah. absolutely.
1: The other ones can get pretty heavy.
2: Uh, yeah, and I think if you know you're sharing with somebody who isn't as big into coconut, this one is a good mm-hmm. option because yeah. I don't think it's going to put people off during wanted. the
0: right time of year. I this will be in our refrigerator. For a good stretch. Yeah. Pulling one every week and a half. Okay. You know what I mean? Just to put a variety in it. Calling it a shelfie, the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Check out the Maui Brewing Coconut Iwa Porter. I can't tell you how excited I am about the episode.
2: Yeah. So well, we're about to get into Because there is one award that we didn't talk about from this year's uh, Academy Awards because it's not on the telecast. They make brief reference to it, but these are the honorary awards. Right, okay. And one of those honorary awards this year went to one of the greatest living filmmakers in American cinema, one Mr. David Lynch. What did he An honorary Oscar. Well, there there are that Oscars mean, that they, they sort of um, award you for a career of contributions oh. to... It, it was him and there were a couple others, Lena Wertmuller... Um, who? Um, oh gosh! But she's an Italian filmmaker. I'm I'm gonna forget. Like her biggest film was remade by Guy Ritchie and Madonna. Swept mm. away. Yes. Thank you. Um, that was her biggest film yeah. early in her career but she's had some others I can't remember there was a third one but every year there's like three or four people who they'll kind of pick who Hall of Fame kind of. Haven't, and part of that is because Lynch has been nominated several times but has never won yeah. so it's a way of kind of acknowledging the contributions of somebody who yeah. didn't Hasn't quite made it. Now he, right. he may still. Who
0: know? Who knows? With, yeah. with one of Netflix his is distributing his new short film, right? And that will be the way we get into a conversation about David Lynch
1: right. when we return.
2: Yes, Yes, And we're back. <laughs> so uh, as we went into that uh, early break on the on the program, that may be our earliest break ever. Um, we uh, were talking about David Lynch getting this honorary Oscar, and it was also kind of coincided with this surprise release. Of a short film that he had made that had actually played a couple times. I'm trying to the the first time was a festival over in Europe, right? Right, uh, or no? Uh, the Foundation Cartier Pour L'Art <laughs> Contemporary Art. It was a foundation <laughs> for contemporary art over in Paris. Um, they they played there. Um, it also played as part of his Festival of Disruption at some point, and it it was just kind of you know something that. A handful of people had ever seen before and then lo and behold on january 20th which actually was david lynch's birthday uh it dropped on netflix wonderful this 17 minute short
0: film called what did jack do and it's available on netflix right now that's right And you should push pause and watch it yeah why don't we push pause and open that beer yes so uh
2: for, for to pair with this uh i'm i'm picking up another recent release well one that's made it into wide distribution only recently. They kinda test marketed it earlier last year. Um, This is from the renowned Pabst Blue Ribbon family, and it is their hard
0: coffee. Now, you came up with this connection.
2: Well, you know, Lynch, one of the motifs in his career and throughout his films, throughout his television work, um, throughout even, he actually even marketed um, coffee beans on his own label, is coffee. Hmm. Right. Um, This guy is obsessed with coffee in some way. So it seemed to me that with this new hard coffee coming into the market, this would be the perfect opportunity for us to sample it um, while uh, discussing this film, which which does indeed have, have coffee as a plot point. Yeah, this is hazy.
0: This, this, this is, is definitely yeah, true, boy. Yeah, no,
2: you're not. This seeing looks it like this. a
0: latte in my well, it cup. Well,
2: you know, a lot of people have made the Frappuccino connection. Yeah, it, it's very much. I mean, you could pour this over some ice in a plastic cup, and and I think fool a lot of people and just make them. Yeah, that's a Frappuccino, right? But it has five percent alcohol.
0: Oh, so, yeah. sure it does. We were just at six, so coffee for Mister Lynch,
2: right? So. This short film, um, uh, you know, just to quickly synopsize it, is a very um, simple (laughs) film, right? It is an interrogation scene, Uh essentially. You have uh, Lynch himself. A noir style. Right. Playing this detective, who's never really named, um, sitting across the table at a train station, which you only really know because they tell you that. um, And he's sitting across from a capuchin monk. Monkey. Monkey. Capuchin monk. uh, (laughs) And uh, the monkey they've superimposed the lips of a man
1: of david lynch i think
2: it does seem like it's david lynch i haven't i couldn't find anybody confirming no. that could you no no i, I mean couldn't, but it did but seem like it was i his was mouth. looking
1: at his mouth as he was talking and then looking at the monkey's mouth and their lower teeth looked the same yeah
2: yeah um so likely david lynch's mouth superimposed over the monkey with which, like modulated what is that thing voice? angry fruit uh the annoying orange annoying orange yeah, orange. yeah. you like know that. go back further in time clutch cargo which sure. actually shows up in pulp fiction there briefly uh-huh. the yes. idea of yeah yes um that uh you have this m- monkey uh you know kind of answering questions that this detective has which aren't necessarily all that the monkey from Friends, Linear. that kind of monkey yeah right yeah. right small compact monkey right. yeah um, and, and it's an interrogation scene. It is. It is. <laughs> the <monkey> um, talks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, As a human mouth. But, you know, so many markers of uh-huh. Lynch's work are there, yeah, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the use of black and white, which he's done before. Okay. So, you know, his first film, Eraser, Eraserhead, his first feature, yeah. Eraserhead, in, in his early shorts. Um, he's definitely used that. He's even gone to black and white in a few of his other projects um, since then. And so, so he goes with that. Very stark, kind of high contrast, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sort of dingy set design, you know, like the, this kind of distressed, um, the walls, That you know, there's sort of this uh, look that things are falling apart a little bit. It's um, kind of
1: like a vignette effect on it. Right, and shadow. Then, and then you're getting a lot of like that simulated like celluloid grain and mm-hmm. like, dust and stuff. And...
2: The the dialogue, so strange and non-sequitur. Like I said, the, there's an interrogation going on, and some of the questions are related to what is likely some sort of murder that's happened. Right. Um, perhaps with a chicken.
0: Uh-huh. Perhaps that chicken was, well, was loved the by the monkey. Right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the monkey breaks out into a song. Well, that definitely
2: happens, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but... You know, but there's also other things thrown in there, like questions that don't necessarily And answers. Seem to relate. And yes. Right. And answers that don't always seem to relate to the question that's being asked. It's
0: almost least. like they took a bunch <laughs> of noir dialogue. Yeah. And put it into a random generator mm-hmm. and create a script with it. Yes. Because the answers don't sometimes match the right. questions. The answers sometimes do and then go off into another tangent. But they're conversational as if everything we're saying makes total sense. Right. Yeah,
1: as if the conversation is following any like cohesive... How many
0: times did you watch it?
2: Uh, I've watched it twice. I've watched it twice. Yeah, I, w- I watched it once when it first. Like pr- I think I watched it twice a day in a or row. Two. In and then preparation I, for and this. then I watched it again this morning. Yeah, I watched to,
0: it twice in a row in preparation for this. I watched it a second time because I enjoyed it so much the first time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you watch a David Lynch movie for the first time or your first episode, the Twin Peaks that you ever catch or whatever, you do like that sideways thing a dog does when it, there's a <laughs> sound that it doesn't quite recognize mm-hmm. and like then one. once you can get into some of that familiar Lynch and, and, and most of it's unfamiliar sometimes when you watch a David Lynch movie it's lynchy and certainly but you're seeing something for the very first time mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot of things here for the very first time although some of the effects used that we, we mentioned are, are, are classic in nature mm-hmm. but um, then there's that other Lynch thing of modified vocals yeah. Because the monkey's got a modification on the voice. Right. Because I think it's David Lynch's
2: voice. <laughs> I think it, I really yeah, think yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. No, no, it is. I had a guess. I like, yeah, so yeah, yeah, say you know.
0: so, but they, they've they done something to enhance and yeah, and make strange pauses that right. don't seem conversational, you know. Right. Um, well, the, in the
2: delivery of the dialogue, I mean, in a lot of his projects, he... he it seems like he steers his actors and certainly he in his own performance as Gordon Parks in the Twin Peaks series um, has a very sort of flat kind of delivery style well, where, yeah, you know, right? yeah. you know, it's just like he's saying the line, but the line is just this. And there's not And I'm even giving it a little more. Flair yeah.
1: He's like directing you to act like you're acting almost. Yeah. And like, yeah. Just giving these very robotic readings of the lines. Um, Which works when it's so funny.
2: I mean, that's or when it's really weird, right? And this is both. Yeah, this is both. This, this one mean, does happen to be. both. He is often that. That is, you know, the the sweet spot of David Lynch, and we're going to talk about this more expansively as the episode goes on here. But is this sort of, you know, intersection between humor, dark themes, mm-hmm. and um, and absurdity, and 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 uh, and unexpected. Right? Like kind of things that will shock you. And you won't be able to anticipate like the monkey bursting into song as we get to the climax of the interrogation song. scene. It is right. It's yeah. a good song. Yeah, yeah. Lynch has done some great uh, yeah. music he music is. work because really that is. that is a song composed by him and his collaborator Dean Hurley, who yeah. have worked together over the last decade. I'm
0: just going to say spoilers now. Okay. Um, there is. It's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, other than the waitress, the waitress. Oh, then I was going to say, then you get a third new character. Mm-hmm. And so, in this universe, in this film language universe, and I hope to talk about film language soon. In this universe—it's a seventeen-minute movie. No, it's, a, it's a motion picture. Uh, we are going to allow a third character. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now anything can happen. Anyone can walk in the door. And when the chicken walks in the door, <laughs> and to, the, the to chicken Totoban? yeah, <laughs> crazy, right? And the chicken, of course, was a love interest, and I guess the motive of the murder.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and the he, chicken shows he up, kills her like lover or something yeah. like yeah, that, Because right? yeah. they can just talk
0: about anything. Yeah. And if this is going to get silly about how he's having a love affair with the chicken, okay, this is just absurd uh-huh. and enjoyable and fun and, and beautiful to look mm-hmm. at—the black and white and. The, mm-hmm. I got caught up in the CGI of the nose of the monkey and the mouth, I and mean, yeah. yeah, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And then the chicken walks in, mm-hmm. and then that monkey chases the chicken as the chicken runs away from. Yeah. It was a beautiful little piece <laughs> of art. It's so it's so fun. And I was thinking uh, because we discussed our local film festival, mm-hmm. you know, a couple episodes ago, an episode ago, last week. And and I, you'll remember, I went to the experimental short. Uh, David, you were there too. We went to yep. the experimental short film, and that's certainly what this is. If it had been, in, if this movie had been entered into our film festival that we just attended, stuff ours being the city that we live in, mm-hmm. then this would be in that category. Yeah. And I don't, I, you can take David Lynch's name off of it. I think that sometimes you just give a director more juice because you like him or her to begin with. This is just a fun little absurd it film. Is, that, I, you can't take his name off of it though because it exists
1: within his world of film. Right. Like, it, in it, his it, language of film. Like if you just saw it, without having any kind of context for who made it it would be like this is like what is going on now, but get... in the context of his filmography it makes sense. I think
0: both both points are correct. This is certainly a David Lynch piece. Yeah. But at the same time it's just a fun short that is certainly experimental and I think a great introduction to David Lynch for anyone that's never seen his work before.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know if I agree with that last point you made but I definitely I do agree that this is both so a piece of his filmography Mm -hmm. that it it feels kind of inseparable from him and at the same time if he hadn't made it and you had somebody else playing the interrogator and you had that it would still work as a ridiculous experimental kind of send up of detective interrogation scenes which is essentially what it is you know but um you know i but i do think that I personally would never tell somebody, watch this first. Is that right? No, because it's just, it's too strange. It's too absurd. It's too, (laughs) like, if you know a little about Lynch beforehand, I think it works fine. And if you think of it as a send-up of interrogation scenes, perhaps it kind of works. But it is really out there. I mean, to have it be the, you know, human mouth superimposed over the monkey, the chicken is the love interest, the you know that's just good barnyard the, fun yeah right <laughs> right
0: so okay so you're gonna point them to a non-strange lynch film no not non-strange <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't exist, exist. That doesn't exi- well
2: actually it does yeah. it does straight story straight story exists they get another yes. example i say elephant
0: uh, man has got a strange looking character but that's the most but it's a pretty straightforward
2: yeah, biopic we'll about well, that later. yeah um so, but yes i would point them to others before mm. this um for that reason
0: let's answer that question yeah. later Ooh. yeah
1: so what do we think about this beer? Hard coffee. Hard coffee. Is it beer? I don't know, man. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly do not. I mean, know.
2: Th- th- when I drink this, what I'm thinking is Bailey's. Well, it's a right? malt beverage. I, yeah, um, it, it contains it, milk. It tastes to me like Bailey's mixed into coffee with a little bit of creamer, and you know, well, it,
1: the thing that the, the thing that has me all topsy turvy. Is that when you look at a White Claw can, it says beer on it. Mm-hmm. Like it says like beer with whatever I don't know. Something okay. Like that. So like, what is a beer these days? What yeah. qualifies? Well, how did they make this delicious concoction? That that is research that I did not do. I have not either.
0: So you're a fan? Fuck yeah!
1: <laughs> this shit is good.
2: It's easy to drink. It's oh, very I easy mean, to drink. if if you like. Those, um, what, you know, coffee in a can, kind of the Frappuccinos that you can get off the shelf. That right. you know, like mm-hmm. this is pretty much equivalent. Like you I do don't get the same th- alcohol. In I don't this. either.
0: I do. I get a hint of it, and that's where I say the Bailey's kind of comes in. But yeah, I mean, th- what's th- going to keep me from drinking too much of this is it is cloyingly sweet. It is, sweet. and in no way would yeah. I ever drink a coffee with this much cream. No, that's additive. not how no, I drink coffee mm-hmm. typically. Yeah. Um, but,
1: Black or not at all. Right, Say it that's again. right. Black or not at
0: all? It, no, no. I drink my coffee black. But if I'm going to get a latte, I like it. You know, I mean, espresso heavy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to. I mean, it tastes good, but it's also a pabst, and that means I'm never, never going to buy. it. <laughs> unless, interesting.
2: Unless there's an interesting movie. I, I definitely
0: think so. The, I'll, that means I'll I'll put, I'm
2: supportive. I'll put this in context. I, I'm looking forward to. We have an annual. Um, barefoot mardi gras parade that takes place here on the beach mm-hmm. um and it is fun and it takes place in the morning and people are usually starting drinking in the morning and this to me is the perfect this will be my
1: beverage but there's no craft brewery doing mardi mardi this gras.
0: kind of hard there will, coffee
1: be. Style. There yeah, will be there certainly yeah. will be uh, okay. well no um i'm waiting on it ingenious is doing this they're, they're doing, doing hard, a hard coffee, coffee but it's like a mixture of like their beer and like something else hey, hold on well i'm there for it so yeah they do various different kinds of hard coffee and um the most recent one that i found on their instagram though at least was obvious was um hard coffee peppermint mocha this six percent hard coffee is a blend of our house made cold brew coffee brewed with coffee beans from district roaster roasters Blended with Imperial Milk Stout, conditioned on Dulce de Leche, Ooh. peppermint, and chocolate for in-house consumption. You got to get some of that. So, what uh, says for in-house? They want you get Crowned. I don't so know. Yeah, I don't know if they bad. will or not. But so yeah, they're mixing it with a with a beer. Um. So yeah, I, did they mix this with PBR? No,
0: I know, no, not straight. <laughs> no, no, I mean, know, but it would—it was would, flat out marketing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not enjoying this, this beer. And I gotta be on. honest with you. This is not a flavor profile that I enjoy. It's too, too, too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. But I could understand why people would like it. Well, there he you you
1: probably would have felt different if I had brought the whipped cream to top it with. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I if I—that's
2: th- shot it out your bra. That's where I go, and and this isn't something that I indulge in much with the frappuccino drinking Uh but it's not like it's a bad flavor to Uh me and the idea that there's alcohol in this and i can be drinking this and be getting caffeine and alcohol simultaneously
0: Talked about sign me up we (laughs) talked about going to barefoot mardi gras together yeah Uh, if you take some of that or i'll bring some or whatever we'll clink them together and put a picture okay well there you go there you go i can't wait for the next conversation yeah so, as we
2: said, we are going to be diving deeper into the work of David Lynch, and we decided that we should at least watch one film, feature film of his together, and we wanted to pick one that would be most exemplary of his style, perhaps. We, we considered a, a few candidates, right? Eraserhead was in the mix, his, his first feature. Yeah, which Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. uh, a later film that, that was much celebrated. He was nominated for Best Director for... Uh, back in the early 2000s. But we ended up going with his 1986 film, Blue Velvet.
0: His Pulp Fiction.
2: Now, explain, Joe. I, I need you to
0: expand on that. Uh, um, Tarantino will forever remember, be remembered more than anything for Pulp Fiction. Now, I, I'm not even saying it is, it is his seminal work, although mm-hmm. I believe it to be. Yeah. Um, and this is the one that kinda of goes hand in hand, even for the non David Lynch film fan, fan that's uh-huh. that's, you know, familiar enough with film to be able to pull anything out. Okay. They're gonna pull out Blue Velvet. It made such an impact when it came out, it sent his career in such a different direction than where it had been. And I think it's the the measure that true cineistas kind of probably measure everything by. Okay. Of his avoir
2: Yeah, I mean I I I get where you're coming from. I do, I do. <laughs> um he, he, yeah, he's he's an, he's an odd character. It's his
0: dances
1: For with wolves, reasons, if you will.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada not gonna boom. do that. Not gonna do that. I was happier with the Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. Uh, so now are we gonna open another beer? Are we gonna take a break? We yes, doing?
1: no, we're gonna open another beer. Uh, uh, we're going right we, straight into it. Well, we we ha- need to. We have we to take to. a break because I have to go get the beer. Oh, okay, uh-huh. well then we're gonna uh-huh. take Unless a break. Unless y'all want to talk while I go get the beer, which is not no. possible. <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> we'll take a break. Okay.
0: we're back I,
2: I knew he was that. <laughs> so uh yeah blue velvet uh, is notable for a number of things but one of them that we were just talking about as we were getting ready to come back is that of all the films we've watched on this podcast it ranks among the top in terms of featuring beer i mean we had our episode way back about a year ago and i should know the number, but I didn't look that up. Why
1: would you know the number? <laughs> I don't know. Because
2: because Joe's always got these episode I'm numbers on and it. stuff. But uh, you know, where we did our live episode and we looked at a couple movies that had featured beer prominently, Smokey and the Bandit and Strange, Strange, Strange Brew, eh? Brew, right? Um, but Blue Velvet, you wouldn't think of that being a big part of it, although for our listeners who are fans of it, I'm sure they remember that beer drinking is featured prominently. There are several scenes in nightclubs and others where people are gathering socially and, uh, and they are drinking beer together. And Jeffrey, the protagonist of the film, played by Kyle McLaughlin, um, he has a preference for... Heineken yeah. as his beer of choice. He asks
0: Laura Dern, who he's on a date with, have you ever had Heineken? Oh, Heineken, 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 Heineken. Yes. So what better beer to drink with uh, B- right. Blue Velvet than well, Heineken? And, you, and in 1986, as an import
2: beer, this would have been sort of a premium choice. Oh,
0: I remember spending big, big college dollars on Heineken because we wanted to feel fancy. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah. As opposed to our beer of choice at the time, Keystone Light. Mm. I mean, I definitely
2: remember... Um, well, I think back in my college days, we were more likely to go for the, uh, bass ale when we felt like we were getting fancy. Bougie. Um, yeah,
0: you're a little younger than me. uh, A little bit, but, but I remember
2: first, one of my first, uh, club shows down, like when I traveled to a big city to go to a, see a band at a club, um, I remember ordering a Heineken and th- this was in my college radio days. And I remember, you know, we were meeting the label rep there and he bought me a Heineken. And oh, I, think I, I think I was only 19. You were Sick. big. Time. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I went overseas for a little bit after I graduated high school. So I was 18. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, got to get Heineken. That's like the good beer choice so that I seem like as if I have yeah. drink.
0: Beer on a regular basis before, like right. as if I know what I'm doing. Right. The label um, tells me they, they didn't have low bro. The label tells me it's a premium malt lager, and it's clocking in at 5 Skunky. It's so it skunk- is skunky. It's, you know, it's funny because,
2: you know, green bottles, But I mean, now now that I'm more of a beer drinker sure. and, I, and I think about beer, this is one of the worst things to do for beer is to put it in a green bottle because it does not block out much of the light. Yeah. And so the beer gets light struck, and that tends to skunk the beer. Yeah. Um, you know, add, add these kind of negative aromas but it's like their brand it kind of is i mean yeah. like i smell it and i instantly i'm brought back to that you uh-huh. know earlier days where oh yeah that's what heineken smells like it smells like a heineken yeah interesting it smells like something. so <laughs> that's for you want to do a keg stand <laughs> as we i should have bought one of those mini kegs sip on what jeffrey would have us sipping on here Sweet. Right. us okay. let's, let's
0: go straight in uh, carlos this was your first straight time. in this straight was your in. first time to see it yeah perhaps you should lead on um,
1: yeah, it' was my first time to see it. It wasn't my first like Lynch film, but um, I think it's interesting how there's no aspect of realism that concerns Lynch in any way, shape or form, like not in the way he's presenting images, not in the way that characters behave. It's all so either exaggerated or like hyperbolically subdued which is somewhat of an oxymoron but and this movie is like a great example of that like fucking frank has one mode and yeah. it's fuck you and nobody acts like that <laughs> like you know but it's like dennis hopper does but it's like pure <laughs> it's like pure unadulterated <laughs> the like, role he was born to play like he is id like yeah. that's just pure id and that's yeah. it and then like i loved the scene when i mean i didn't love all parts of it because dennis hopper's beating the shit out of mm. isabella rossellini but the way that it's framed like from jeffrey being in the closet like just the way that that looks mm-hmm. and uh was so fucking good yeah um and it's you know we've it's it's been a Laura Dern heavy year yeah uh, right and this is probably the youngest I've seen her in a movie before. And so that yeah. was very interesting seeing a younger Laura Dern um in in that role as like yeah. a high school love interest. I mean, I love Kyle McLaughlin, you know, like he's he's great in um the score by Battle of Mente. Yeah. Um is fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh it's a really good movie. It has a happier ending than I was expecting. That kind of threw me off yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like, I was like, maybe more disturbed yeah. than I would have been otherwise. But yeah. when things end kind of well, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, there are some very, like, truly remarkable um, things that he does, like the in the very beginning through the grass and then you see all the bugs that shot's crazy especially for like 86 or whatever I don't know how he did that 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 extreme close up on the ear extreme close up on all that stuff it's like it is really nuts yeah Um, but yeah I thought it was great I and you know because of some of the things that I just said I think it would be if somebody asked me oh what David Lynch movie should I see this would be the first one yeah no contest that yeah. I would say, watch this because it has some of the dreamlike qualities of a racer head, it has some of the strange, almost like non sequitur, really, really dark moments like Mulholland Drive does, uh huh. But it has a cohesive enough narrative, yeah, for somebody that's not familiar with his work to be able to fall, even though it is still kind of tough. Like it doesn't really come all together until like the very, very end. Yeah. Like for a while I was sitting there. I was like, is this going to be one of those movies that ends? And I still don't know what the fuck happened, you know? Right. Um, but you kind of get all comes no, together. It ties together. It does. I it mean, does. This... I was expecting it not to though. And right. I was also expecting it to end tragically. Yeah. Uh, neither of which happened, but, um, yeah, definitely would be my first intro. I don't think it's his best movie still. Mm hmm. Um, so I, I mean I guess I I guess the comparison that Joe made to pulp fiction in so far as that it's what he's probably best known for that holds but as far as like is it his best in that way I don't I think Mulholland Drive is better. Yeah. Um,
2: it, it But it's great. Uh, I, mean, I loved it. I agree. I mean I and
1: th- on with a lot of things you just said. I think for- Also before you get going you mentioned that, and I i just want to justify this for my own sake. Sure. Um, I had never seen it before. And one of the reasons I had never seen it was I've owned it for years, but I've never felt emotionally equipped to handle huh. it. And I think that's... Well, based beca- on its reputation? Well, based on Mulholland Drive, because uh-huh. I'd seen Mulholland Drive, uh-huh. and there's just something about, like it made me think that it was going to be somewhat similar or something about uh-huh. either the, like the DVD case or whatever. I okay. thought it was going to be this crazy fucking like intense thing. Yeah. Uh, and I should have watched it sooner because it wasn't as emotionally taxing as I expected it to be. That's interesting. Um, so I should have watched it sooner, but Yeah, I, I got in my own way and didn't do that.
2: But. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it is kind of an emotionally taxing film, but I get where you're coming from. It is,
1: just not as much as I built it up in my mind.
2: Fair enough. Yeah, no, that and that that makes sense. I think I, too, would probably recommend this film over almost any of the other... I, th- I think I would say that this is the film if somebody said, I've never seen a David Lynch film, what should I see? Um I would say Blue Velvet. It's it's the one of his films that I've ever used in classes that mm-hmm. okay. that you know yeah. that I feel like okay somebody who may never ever see another David Lynch film, maybe has never seen one before, could still get something out of this. What is
1: the context in which you're teaching it in?
2: um, I believe I've used it a couple different ways. One, I used it when I was talking about genre. I think that it has a lot of, it's using a lot of film noir elements. Yeah, Um, It's essentially a detective story. We have a femme fatale. We have... uh, a very um, good one. Yeah, we have a lot of the shadowy um, you know, uh sort of lighting that's going on. We have So the the yellow
1: man. Yes.
2: So so there are these elements that are in there that I think are very indicative of that, but it's obviously doing something different as well and it's pushing the um the themes into darker territory where, you know, like film noir often would hint at those things it didn't necessarily have overt rape or overt um uh, you know kidnapping uh, this this sort of intense violence intense violence that that goes on so um so i've used it that way i've also used it just to talk about narrative in general and kind of like because it is actually a fairly um straightforward, linear narrative, right? As as linear as Lynch can get, I feel. Well, he's, you know, he's, and we'll talk about this as we go on here. If you look at his career trajectory, um, he he did start out as a pretty linear storyteller with his features. And it was only kind of later in the, I don't know if you'd call it the second half of his career or whatever, where he started getting much more in the Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, Inland Empire mode of like, just playing around with, it, and I guess Twin Peaks was kind of a bridge to that, where you have these flashbacks, flash-forwards, where the hell are we? Is this the thing? Is this a dream? Is this the, yeah. This film, it's all pretty clear. These are real characters in a real world that have real problems going on. The the key there, though, here, that another thing that he falls through, is the idea of that sort of idyllic American suburbia, On the surface, kind of surface, especially
1: those opening shots of like the picket fence and the beautiful flowers, and it's sunny, right? But in those opening
2: shots, you know, whatever it is, three, four, five minutes into the film, as as we see that montage, it ends with the father of Kyle McLaughlin, like yeah. suffering a heart attack, you know, like yeah. it was like a on, stroke. On his, yeah, right, okay. right. And
0: then here's the Lynch touch, the dog drinking the hose mm-hmm. as the hose content, because he's watering and he, his flowers. Yeah, that right. gets intense, yeah. And yeah. then that goes straight into Carlos, the shot that you the mentioned. Bug. Yeah, the really close. Yeah. Which is a very on-the-nose conceit of... In this Americana, underneath yeah. the surface exists a... But it doesn't matter. It works. Yeah. yeah no, I understand you saying it's on the nose, yeah. but who
2: else did that? Sure. And who oh, at else, the time?
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, and who else has done it since? The timing of this movie coming out kind of is everything. I mean, it, it shapes a lot of conversation about when a film entered the marketplace and what was the marketplace surrounding it. Because mm-hmm. I think David Lynch had nowhere to go but more bizarre, more surreal. You know, that would be where he would go. At the time, this was fucking crazy. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it, you know, we're 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 desensitized because of all the things we've seen. It's since still It's still crazy. It is still crazy. But this movie was the Twin Peaks, if you will, to use the same director's yeah. work as an example <laughs> right. of the weirdness. Uh, uh, something we hadn't never seen before, and that opening shot says everything under the surfaces of this idyllic American.
1: Lumberton, uh, yes, small
0: town. Every town, small town, is a very seedy underbelly, right? That I think most of the residents have no idea exists, right? And we're allowed to go. David David Lynch takes us by the hand and allows us pains to hide it, yeah. 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 Allows us to go see what maybe we shouldn't be seeing,
2: right?
1: And it and and it speaks to some kind of um, you know strange fascination that people who lived. Uh, in such a comfortable way can have with people outside of their general sphere because he gets because Jeffrey gets so I mean he's not trying to do anything he's just interested like Curious. It's like curiosity that drives him to I mean, we haven't really talked
2: about even like, but to synopsize it, right? You have Jeffrey, who's a young, just starting college, kind of, you know, he's home from college because his dad has had this heart attack and he's in the hospital. And as he's walking home from the hospital from visiting his dad, he happens to spy a severed ear. An ear, yeah. Right. And and of course, who wouldn't be curious about there's a human ear? Uh Yeah. So he brings it to the police and he strikes up a little bit of a friendship with, um, the detective's with daughter. the detective and his daughter, right? Lord and Dern. and the, the daughter kind of gives him a bit of information that allows him to then kind of slip into doing a little detective work himself. Yeah. Which pulls him into this whole situation that's unfolded where there is a local Lounge... criminal. Store? Well, I was going to say, kingpin. you know, dr- dr- yeah, drug kingpin organized crime figure who is Holding the husband and son of a lounge singer hostage, forcing her to be his sex slave essentially. Right. Yeah. Um. And so he, the Jeffrey, uh, the Kyle McLaughlin character, gets sort of pulled into this world, inserts um, himself into this world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not. Yes, yes. I mean, he ultimately does, but he's kind of spying, and then he gets caught, yeah. and he ends up yeah. sort of having to deal with these people and well, strikes up yeah. relationships with, especially yeah. with uh, Dorothy Valens, the lounge singer played by Isabella Rossellini. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it is. It's this this young innocent, right? This this man who, or this young man who's just coming of age or whatever, getting pulled into this seedy underbelly. It's more
0: seedy than, than one would expect in such an which yes
2: gets into situation very quickly goes from just being slightly strange to being full bore insane. Um, and part of that full bore, the biggest part of that full bore insane we've already alluded to is Dennis Hopper yeah. and his character, Frank Booth, yeah. who is that criminal uh, figure who is holding the family of Dorothy Vallens hostage to sort of keep her at his beck and call. And, um, you know, he isn't so keen on Jeffrey's beer choice. Oh, is no, no, no. He?
0: Heineken to him is uh, swill because there's only one beer that fuck you Heineken. Have. Continue, Pabst, Pabst Blue, Blue, Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Heineken,
1: fuck that shit. Right.
0: Pabst Blue Ribbon. Which leads us to the second beer of this segment. Mm.
1: I think the funniest part about that scene is when they enter Ben's house, which oh. is like a criminal underworld or whatever. That, that or a ben criminal scene friend. The Ben scene is very strange. Is but when they bring the beer in, they're like. Champagne-looking bottles of Pabst Blue Ribbon—they're yeah. like bombers of Pabst Blue Ribbon, right. which I've yeah. never ever in my life seen before. So you want me
0: to pour the beer? We're gonna pour ourselves <laughs> pour the a beer. little Pabst, the beer. We're gonna pour <laughs> no, ourselves a little you. Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> now, I want more beer. <laughs> as I hope we wade into the more bizarre and uh, Lynchian elements of the film. I'm trying to look for an ABV on this can. This oh, is the original Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Matter. Nature's choicest products provide yeah. to.
1: It's good. It's, it's a
0: prized good. flavor.
1: Um, PBR. This is PBR. This is, P- PBR? A, re- this is yeah. a repeat. Four
2: point six percent. Four point six. This is yeah. a repeat we're, for up, us. We have, had It is. Paps it is. We did Pabs when we did Walkers. That's right, because yeah. it was you know we were going for the teenage keg party kind of yeah. VR, and I wouldn't drink Keystone,
0: so I brought
1: Pabs. Yeah. Um,
0: this doesn't I, even count on the list.
1: Well, welcome one, back, PBR. One of,
0: one of the. Um, one of three beers we've had twice on the M- show.
1: much better nose on this than, than with the Heineken. Heineken yeah one of the most interesting things i think about this movie is that dennis hopper shouts every line of dialogue mm-hmm. i would <laughs> i would say i would say that it should have been shouts or moans or sort of uh, a, a mixture of both yeah. kind of teeter totters between those two things maybe once wants- <laughs> yeah well yeah in the in the sex or the rape scene um that is it's, it's a stranger tone. But outside of that scene, just when he's yeah. doing anything, right. you fuck. like, And he's just screaming at everybody. Even mm. his friends. He's like, yeah. what the fuck is he saying? That fucking, like, he's just, he shouts yeah. every line of dialogue as if he were um, a 2006 Nick Cage in the movie Ghost Rider. <laughs> well, hey, c- Nick, Next Ca- movie. Nick
2: Cage must have seen this performance and thought, I gotta get to that
0: level. Vampire Circus. <laughs> <be> <laughs> yeah, well, well, he certainly works for David Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Nick Cage. Did. That's right. That's What right. a what a combo. Yeah, yeah. But it's just ex- when we think, okay, so Frank arrives, mm-hmm. and we learn quickly that he carries around with him at all times. I'm assuming nitrous oxide. Yeah, that
2: I, uh, that, that seems to be what. What are you thinking?
1: I, I just Oxygen? thought it alluded to some sort of like
0: emphysema or something. The, oh, no, I thought he was getting high. I wouldn't I, doubt it. Yeah. So he's huffing off of this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the mask you would put over your nose and mouth in a hospital. He's carrying one around with him. And, Where's the tank on his bo- on his person? Though? Right. He it, doesn't it, seem to small be carrying tank. anything. It's a small tank yeah. in the side pocket. Yeah. David, David knows. And <laughs> so... Um, and then things just get more and more odd from there because uh, Frank... Okay, so... Jeffrey and uh, Isabe- Isabella Rosalini get into a, a tryst. Mm-hmm. While he's parallel, I guess courting Laura Dern, the detective's daughter, or are they yeah. just
1: friends? Well, they're trying to be, right? She has a boyfriend. It, it, right. Yeah, it, okay. it, it evolves over time. Yeah. Okay,
0: so uh, after paying a visit to Isabe- Isabella Rosalini, and by the way, we should say that their relationship is mostly sexual and that he, it, she rather, is trying to convince him to... Hit on and cause her pain.
2: Right, she wants it to be a sadomasochistic relationship. Yeah, sure, and that's yeah. completely foreign Which to and uncomfortable to the recreating what she has with
0: Frank. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, he, he's they, they've just uh, been together, and Frank catches them. Right. Takes them on a drive mm-hmm. to. Would you say his name was Ben? Yes, the, the Dean
2: Stockwell character Ben. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: This is where another Lynch like trademark film language. And that is these odd gatherings of folks that are you. And then the, the, the colors uh, the color scheme of the film can go flat even. And, uh, very, very neutrally colored. And just, just pointing out your eye catches these odd characters that are just assembled around the room. Yeah. He likes to bring together odd characters in these kinds of situations. And I think that it's just very simply because odd, odd, it's all subjective. I don't mean to be offensive, but it. (laughs) I think you can comfortably say that the Ben character in his
2: situation is because odd, we're, yeah. we're nobody is we're going putting, to putting
0: <laughs> but not just that but the peripheral characters just along the wall the, the people gathered in the party yeah well the thing that all... makes them odd is that they're just like lurking right and then it makes the audience uncomfortable because you know that they're in a dangerous situation the, yeah. the, the heroes of the film are in a very dangerous situation but the danger is not telegraphed outside of frank's kind of craziness so i i, I find that aspect of lynch sometimes to be hugely uncomfortable just the notion he he can make you uncomfortable oh he's with great just at the him. images on the frame yeah well and it's also the way and he that frames party things. does it do, does it for for, oh, for it's, me it's 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 also in the way he frames i wouldn't things want to be at that party
1: because uh another filmmaker could take like you could send somebody into that exact same set with those exact same actors and Under a different director's guide, it could be made to look somewhat normal or naturalistic or whatever. But the way you don't really ever get a very close look at some of those like maternal figures lurking in the background, they're just like you're so far away from so much of it, yet inside of a room Mm -hmm. that it's like it's there's a disconnect there, and like the way that you would expect naturally for your own perspective to like perceive those things yeah. Yeah. versus what is being shown to you and that's where so much of his like genius is comes into play is that he thinks to frame things in a way that nobody else does with the you know expressed intent of yeah. making you uncomfortable well and combine elements that the, just don't
2: belong together yeah I mean, you, you have you know frank the colors frank the teeth is already a very a very strange sort of villain, right? I mean, he is a psychopath that is sort of some sort of leader of a gang and he but is is totally inter- i mean, a gang that supports this guy who likes to huff nitrous oxide or whatever it is that he's huffing. And then sort of go into this childlike state where mm-hmm. he refers to himself as a baby and has and this his kind daddy of, at the same time and which daddy is odd. and the sexual relationship that he's carrying on in front of them and they're all like hey yeah that's great Frank you know yeah. I mean like and somehow oh, Yeah, it they gets love pulled it. off but then when they go to Ben and Ben is this like I don't know pansexual pimp who has these middle aged overweight prostitutes who are just kind of hanging out in the background of his place. Well he's also I didn't realize keeping was, what was happening. That's I think that's that's how I've that always sense. read that. Is like that these sense. women are there for when people visit and they're available to them. Yeah. Um and then but then off in another room he is also keeping hostage those uh you know the family of Dorothy Valens yeah. uh, that that's been kidnapped. Very unsavory character. Right. And and Dean Stockwell with this Ben character sure. is just un believably good i mean yeah. he is just and and the lip sync that goes on this fascination that's with the, really you honest. know the, the um roy the Orbison's roy Orbison song own, yeah. in dreams but but he refers to it as you know the candy colored clown you know yeah I mean, it's just like i mean everything about it is just like 10 steps off from center right and then you put them all together and yeah you create fucked up <laughs> you create this Unimaginable. I mean, this is the kind of thing that nobody else could have p- possibly put together. And I know you say, like, if somebody else walked in with all, nobody else would assemble these elements.
0: There is nobody right. else. And then you got who that was. whole idyllic American town. Right. Where the straight characters, if you will uh-huh. the cop, his wife uh-huh. the, are, you know, the cleavers yeah, from Leva to Beaver. But again, like Carlos said, wooden. Yeah. Uh, One note, uh, very, uh, and, and so when he comes home to care for his dad and his family yeah. and his car and the, and the hardware store, it, I, I guess the theme of the whole thing is that underneath mm-hmm. the pretty, underneath the idyllic, is the, are the bugs, yeah, underground, yeah. And if you go to look for him, because in this case, you're bored, home from college, right, you know, looking for some kind of anything. He- you know, I guess. Yeah. And so, you know, I found an ear. Right. I gave it to the cops. My duty is done. Yeah. No, no, he wants to solve the case. Right. If you go looking for it, what exactly will you find? And right. if you do find it, are you glad that you went to go looking for it? Yeah. The shock, and the most shocking scene, when I saw it as a much younger man, is the uh, Isabella Rosalini showing up, for reasons unknown, <laughs> nude... On his porch. On when, his yeah, porch right. when he's about to get beat up by a guy. It helps him right. not get beat up. But now it exposes to a burgeoning love with uh, someone his own age. Yeah. Someone in his own naivete. Yeah. Laura Dern. Well, who's helped him into this world. Too. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. But they've developed a crush on one another. And you can right, see that growing right. all the while he's, you know, starting to hit his new lover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he's way out of his league over on this side <laughs> of town. Um, who just... Shows up nude, yeah. Abused, we assume in some kind of you know, yeah something has yeah, occurred. Clearly, clearly it was beaten and yeah. uh, and I mean how shocking, how yeah. shocking oh, because it's crazy. you don't, you don't expect well, it, yes. A weird left turn. No, well, of course, the, the Lynch is also known for as well for sure.
2: And the, and there's you know more that had come before that, but that is a very shocking scene. Also, that sort of culminating scene in her apartment when he gets back there uh-huh. and her husband has been killed. As has the partner of uh, the detectives, right. right? Who's but he's standing. Uh-huh. He's been, sh- he's dead, and he is just standing in the room. I mean, it is the weirdest image that I can think of of a death scene yeah. that I've you know ever. It, you, you find out where the ear
0: came from. Yes, yeah. right,
2: right. I mean, it it is just uh, a strange
0: mix of violence, strange mix of sexuality, strange but with, mix with and- it, with an oddly
2: an oddly positive ending. Yeah. But one that does leave that kind of question mark, right? It's like, how good is, how good will this life be? And, you know, I think for me, you know, watching the film again, I think what what strikes me is how much of a, you know, again, I never thought of it as much as a coming of age story as I did this time watching Mm -hmm. it. And that it really is for the Jeffrey character, this kind of, You know his sexual awakening, essentially that that's going on, and to me, it's like exposing that, like this. You know, obviously there is the sort of sanctioned, um, socially acceptable version of one coming into their sexuality, which is his relationship with Laura Dern, right? Mm -hmm. They're gonna and they're on their pathway to a family, and they're having they're having a family barbecue at the end. There's gonna be, and you're, but that is all sort of underpinned by the dark twists that go on with like, it's obviously sexual impulses uh-huh. that are driving Frank. It's obviously, and he's indulging in them himself, yeah. right? Well, in and Jeffrey even will, when he he's not able to help himself, right, He's when he's approached by uh, um, Dorothy and whatnot. So it's, it's really interesting. It's this unsettling coming-of-age story where you're seeing both the purest form of that story that our society would totally sign off on and say, yes, he should be with um, uh, the Laura Dern character's name. Is what a lovely couple. Sandy. Sandy, right, thank you. He should be with Sandy. And then you're also seeing him with the damaged sort of person that Dorothy has been forced to become by this, you know, victimizer who's... And and whatever happened to Frank to put him in that situation, that he, you know, I mean, let let alone, right? But um, I did actually, I had a surprise beer for you guys, because if you remember, Jeffrey liked Heineken. Frank loves Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah. But Detective Williams... He goes with the king of beers.
0: Oh God! Oh, God. We're to see now. We have one to add to the list, or do we add these to the list? Not being craft beers, at all? I don't know. No, you, add, you definitely add it to the list. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: this is. I mean, we'll we'll consider this under the label of Goose Island uh, Bourbon <laughs> County Bourbon County Light.
0: <laughs> it's the king of beers. Yeah.
2: So I I, I had to bring this one just because I love that scene in the nightclub uh, when when he and Sandy first go and you know he's asking her have you ever had Heineken and she's like oh no you know my dad drinks budweiser he's a king of beers <laughs> so so blue velvet is is a really i think um it's it's an incredibly notable film controversial in its time Very right much. i mean i was too young to really be aware of it but looking back on it and reading about it yeah. it was shocking to the audience of the times mm-hmm. um incredibly successful in a few urban markets but really didn't take off in sort of suburban america rural america as you would expect i mean it it was uh it was a pretty tough pill to swallow for sure. a lot of people but it's one that has definitely grown in esteem over time as have many of his films
0: Um, Yeah, Eraserhead, I think, was the same way. Right, Uh,
2: you know, we 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 did. You know, we wanted to talk a little bit about Lynch in general.
0: Well, before while we're on this topic, sure, sure. This movie, I think, it's important to note, came out in the middle of the early '80s to mid late '80s sex boom. Your Fatal Attraction was around here. Your Nine and a Half Weeks was around here. The the idea of. Harder sexuality R's with mainstream appeal. Now, this kind of drops a bomb on it because the nudity is not delivered in a titillating way. Right. The way that you would saw in, say, Nine and a Half Week. Um, which is,
2: you know, Lynch is, is definitely one of the, the through lines of his career is he's interested in forcing us to confront some of the more troubling aspects of human well, existence. He may
0: not force us to confront them, but he's not concerned with putting them on screen. He, he, well, he, by putting them on screen, he's confronting us with them. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. You know... The, I guess you're right. The use of sexuality in a way that we don't see on film normally is forcing... Yeah, you're right. right. He's forcing us to confront the idea that there are aspects of sexuality that aren't glamour, glamorized yeah, Hollywood.
2: Right, right. I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, he he's rarely delivers things that happen in the way you expect them to or the way Baby, that you think wants to fuck. That's, yeah. not no, that's not normal no 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 there's nothing no no there's <sighs> nothing that you come away with seeing frank booth thinking like oh yeah that's a yeah no that's okay no no it's no. so clearly outside the norm um but that was right there from the beginning right i mean whether we look at his early shorts, which we could, and, and Joe was kind of encouraging us to, to look at some of that.
0: At well, we, we the discussed a new, his newest short, right? Wouldn't you love to see a David Lynch short drop every Christmas Day or something <laughs> on Netflix? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I did send to you guys. And we'll post on our Facebook page his earliest short called Alphabet, mm-hmm. which is a uh, much less polished, much less you know linear, yeah, th- than what we what we saw with um, What Does Jack Know, R- right? It. What's it called? What did Jack do? That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, it starts with a racer head. Right. Self, he received some funding, couldn't, right. he was, didn't think he'd ever find a distributor for what has been described as a dream or a nightmare. Yeah. And became a big cult a midnight film right. in the early
2: seventies. Right, along with a handful of films in the seventies, like Pink Flamingos and Rocky Horror, and Picture, Rocky Horror Show. Picture Show, became one of these films that was sort of, sort of notorious midnight screening cult film mm-hmm. that yes, initially like audiences didn't know what to do with it, but then there were these devoted sort of S- this small number of people who really found something fascinating there because it is so different than anything else that you would have seen at the time or even since
0: and as you do success begets opportunity right and he was offered to uh, direct elephant man right by mel brooks's a production company. company. yeah, yeah.
1: That yeah. really tripped me out when I found out that Mel Brooks <laughs> produced a David Lynch movie. I know, right? And to
0: me, if you're talking about how to introduce people to David Lynch, this might be considered a good uh, option because of all of his work. This is the most linear Hollywood. It is in black and white. But it's in black and white. Yeah. It is in, uh, about a, uh, if you will, grotesque character, some might right. say, and some did believe in that film. But it's a, um, it's the one that got him the Oscar nominations? The first one. They yeah. kind of Oscar nominations. I think an Oscar win. No, no, he did nominated, yeah.
2: nominated for screenplay and director. And so uh, hey, another
0: success. Yeah. So now what do we do with that juice? Right. And
2: and that was actually the first film of his that I saw mm-hmm. when I was younger. I mean, I I, I remember seeing that on cable at mm-hmm. some point
0: and the makeup work at the time was astounding. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins we're, we're right. seeing a younger guy. Right. Uh, Anthony Hopkins do some great work. Yeah, and and so
2: so that was a standout. He then got the opportunity to make a bigger budget, much bigger Huge budget paycheck. film, probably actually his biggest budget film still uh-huh. to this day. Um, a sci-fi mm. uh, spectacular, which Dune, is being remade,
1: right? Which is actually be, by uh, Denis Villeneuve, yeah, right? A Denis. lot of folks are
0: looking forward to this. Film. Yeah. So,
1: clarify my timeline: Lynch's Dune comes after Jodorowsky's failed Dune. I believe so. Okay, I've I've never seen that because right there is footage of that that. There's a documentary called Jodorowsky's Doom. Okay, but I don't I know how much it. footage there is from that, like filming, yeah, right? Or like if they ever got really, I don't really know much about it, but I know that there is documentation of it out there.
0: I just um, knew that when I was a kid, it was a big goddamn deal because Sting was in a movie. Well, Sting, Sting was yes, in Doom. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah, 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 and then. And that Kyle that was, his first, was right, it. I was yeah, going to okay, say, yeah. and that was his first time working with Kyle McLaughlin, so that, who became a regular collaborator. I've, I've never
1: seen Dune. I haven't either. I've seen parts of it. Yeah. I've, I, I've not watched it in its entirety. I mean, I haven't seen Elephant Man either. Uh, another one I own, but have never felt emotionally equipped for was Lost Highway. I still haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. I'm also kind of put off by the Trent Reznorness of it all. <laughs> um, don't care for that. Uh, or at, get, least get the, at, that. at least... Get over At least his Nine that. Inch Nails stuff. Like his yeah. score stuff Without Atticus Ross is better. But.
0: but but I mean, back to that timeline. Yeah. Kind of zipping through it briefly. Yeah. Dune is a commercial flop, a critical flop. Oh, right? yeah. People hate it. And um, I think the funding kind of dried up. Well, and he, and though, he though,
2: kind or. of disavowed it. Uh, ultimately... And and he talks about or he talked about it in interviews saying that he, it was where he experienced what happens when you try to make a film with a studio uh-huh. that, you know, they're going to have their desires, their need, And he was changing things, even though they weren't what his vision was. Sure. And it ended up being cut down to two hours when he had all this other footage. And yeah. So, I mean, I think it was a it was a very traumatic kind of process for him to go through. Uh, to to get to a result that was largely hated, you know, that yeah. th- that people just didn't like. But I think
0: know? a necessary thing for a filmmaker like that to go through,
2: perhaps. Although you, it's it's sad when you think about, like, what if? Because there are those moments where, say, a Taika Waititi, right? He got the opportunity to make Thor Ragnarok, easily his largest budget film, easily, big, <laughs> right? Big big stars, all that kind of stuff in it. Went really well. Yeah. You know? And, and, and again, he's a different kind of filmmaker. He's more of a comedy-focused mm-hmm. filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was paired with the right project. You right. Know? I mean, but you, could you imagine <coughs> if Lynch had been given that kind of opportunity where somebody really wanted? Okay, yeah, go far. You know, around the same time, he was offered uh, the opportunity to do Return of the
1: Jedi. Right. Right lucas god that would have been amazing
2: well no maybe i don't know maybe but the, you know his his response to lucas was no this is your vision you you need to see this through yeah, yeah. You, you do that but um well, well let, let me go back though when yeah. i
0: say it was a necessary thing for him lynch his greatest work one could argue came after that quote-unquote failure Sure, where he goes back to, and he was a, he wanted to be a painter to begin with. He wanted to be an artist in the most you know in the, in the more strict sense. Although I consider movies, you know, and beer to be the two greatest uh-huh. art forms known to humanity, uh, but many people think that that, that art is a, a two a two D a two D medium,
1: yeah,
0: uh, painting, sculpture, drawing, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So the artist's mind that Lynch has, and I call him an artist. You know, Mm -hmm. which he is needed to be needed to 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 divorce itself from that studio process for him to, I think, become what he needed to become, which was put together the money to put my vision on on canvas and and damn it. If you don't like the vision, I don't really care. Yeah. And another great thing that I love about Lynch. I'm not going to explain my vision to you at all. There will be no hints. There yeah. will be no clues. There will be no uh, uh, interview with me where I spell it all out for you. Right. I'm putting up. I'm putting up something that can be debated, discussed. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, what is
0: it? I won't tell he you. He
2: is. He is the consummate. Um, Artist who will not speak to motivations or Interpretation. interpretations yeah. or any of that, and and even with his actors, when you hear his actors talk about working with him, he doesn't talk to them about what's the character's backstory, what what brought them here, why, what what am I feeling in this scene? If he if they ask questions like that, he gives them blank stares. You know, it's like they have to find for themselves what they're going to bring to that moment. And you see a variety of performances. You know, we've talked a little bit already about that there is kind of a flatness to some of the delivery, but that's not always the case. There's there's emotion there. I mean, we Dennis just Hopper. talked about Dennis Hopper yeah. was shouting his lines.
0: And here's the thing. I mean, let's, let's uh, dig, dig with me a picture. Dig, if you will, a picture. Uh, is that Lynch telling Dennis Hopper that, that you are out of your mind, or is that Dennis Hopper fully realizing that character, bringing it to the set, and Lynch going, okay? Well, the I was just talking to a customer
1: actually in the store about this earlier today. Shouts out Mike, um, and that Dennis Hopper stuff—that's on the page, yeah, like in the script. Like, well, what he the saying,
2: actions and the in the I words, think the word, yeah. yeah, the words. That's what I'm right. saying.
1: Is like, so how can you read? That dialogue, where like, oh, you fuck, you, you know, whatever, like, all the crazy shit that he says yeah. is very visceral and very, like, aggressive. Like, that dialogue, yeah. no matter how you say it, will come off somewhat aggressive for the most yeah. part. And so I think it's Hopper reading it as like, oh, yeah, this guy's unhinged. Right. How unhinged can I get before right. he tells me to tone it down? And then and he, he never, never says to tone, to tone it down. Yeah, but that's
2: it. That's it, though. I mean, Lynch wouldn't tell you to tone it down, and that's well, why you get a performance like yeah. that. And, and I, given I
0: how uh, wooden, if you will, purposefully, yeah, artistically done, so uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character is—he didn't have, you know, he's milk toast. He's right. He has no experience. Right. It's a great play mm-hmm. off of th- those two guys playing off of one another. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: And so, you, you know, as he comes out of Blue Velvet, which is a success yeah. of sorts, uh-huh. even though it's controversial, it's a critical success, mostly. Yeah. And, uh, it was a love-it-or-hate-it film at the right. time. Right. And it made enough money that it wasn't seen as a failure at It made at the more box than office. its budget. Right. By a couple um, million. That, that, was, that allowed him to roll into, along with his uh, occasional partner, Mark Frost... Um, into that television work that mm-hmm. he did with Twin Peaks, which, yeah, you know, yeah. again, we, th- our listeners are going to know this, right? I mean, this was a very huge moment in television.
0: Zeitgeist moment.
2: Where this series just came seemingly out of nowhere. But, you know, looking at it, for anybody who had seen Blue Velvet, bringing t- to the screen, to the small screen, many of those themes that yeah. we you know, like oh, yeah. the idyllic sort of. Um, you know not quite suburban but I guess rural America right. this idea, small it's still I mean, small it, town it's still small, small town, town right well, I mean a, a different kind seedy, of small right, town yeah. the idea but of that like everyone of, knows everyone like right, that whole kind of thing right. that sort of Pristine veneer Uh with the dark underbelly, underbelly. absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so you you know that series, coffee, (laughs) lots of (laughs) coffee, lots of coffee, and Kyle McLaughlin, yeah, (laughs) he's (laughs) back. Carry through. Um, and and that series, you know, unfortunately, as it went on, a lot of people felt it kind of got off the rails a little bit. Well, because he leaves. Well, because he leaves, and and, I, I feel that too. Yeah. Um, and you know, but but at the same time, working on other projects, Wild at Heart came out, yeah. just around that time. Which same was, year, I think, yeah. Ni- well, this during the second season year, I think, yes. Are you sure? I thought so. I thought
1: Wild at Heart came out in '90,
2: yeah. And it wasn't didn't Twin Peaks come out in '90, Twin Peaks started '90, '91, was 90, wasn't it? I think so. And okay, yeah, I think
1: yeah. same time. Well,
2: it was right around then, um, and and that film you know again wasn't a huge success right. but critically was yeah. regarded as a very interesting move and it's got all but the classic the thing elements that's what i'm trying to say is movie.
0: that dune proved to him that commercial success is, is not what i'm after outside of the fact that com- a commercial success every once in a while doesn't hurt my ability to get financing. Yeah, I mean, well, he's never had. I mean, it's not a one for you, one for me kind of director. As no, he, he doesn't
2: do that. No, he's he's more of a prestige director. If yeah. anything, he's he's one that I think has probably gotten his funding more for the fact that people want to be associated with him and in I, his it, artistic. Did, did and I original.
0: imagine Blue Velvet made a huge amount of money on on. Video, home video, home video. Yeah, and, I mean, and I'm then the follow-up residuals that you get from. Uh, I'm sure over the years, it's, yes. it's it's done, it's done better. Yeah. And I think I they probably think, all have. I don't right? think that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he did incredible numbers, but yeah, it, didn't it come Enough. out recently that uh, Lynch was like slightly autistic or something? I don't know. I think I, I, that. I, think I would, he, it came out recently that he was like if somebody on somebody diagnosed somewhere. him that way. Uh, but that, sp- I mean, that could be a part of it because it's like I mean, because he is a fucking weird dude amazing hair weird dude yeah and so i feel like somebody like him just doesn't give a fuck they're just like uh, yeah i'm in it like of course this movie needs to be this way why would you think anything else? Like I don't understand why you think I should make a different movie than this. Yeah. You, you know,
0: did you stay on the Lynch train? Joe was you? dying to get that yeah, sentence no, in. I was dying to shut <laughs> you up. Did you Did you stay on the Lynch train? Did you miss movies? Did you always catch a Lynch movie? Because I, I noticed there's a, a few gaps in my filmography. Yeah, there. there's so, quite a few in mine.
2: Starting with Lost Highway. Yes, I mean I had at the point that Lost Highway came out, I had seen. Well, like I said, I saw Elephant Man when I was pretty young, and I think by the time Lost Highway came out, I had definitely. Well, I watched Twin Peaks while that was on, um, and then I think I w- Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, and then Lost Highway That's comes a, a little bit later. After that, I pretty much did at least with his features, and he's he's put out some shorts and stuff that I haven't quite caught up on even yet um you try but, to catch
0: all the features yes okay. I,
2: I mean i did i remember actually one of my f- one of the standout movie going experiences that i remember having in my life was going to see inland empire its opening weekend in chicago when i was living there with aaron and it was one of the coldest weekends i have ever experienced where i mean we were like negative something degrees well, mm-hmm. in chicago And I remember going to this huge old theater called the Music Box in Chicago. That's just a great like old movie palace with an organ. And like if you go there for the early matinees on Saturday and Sunday, they actually have an organist playing. I hope they still do. But they did when I was there. And I remember going to see it. And it's just this huge cavernous. The the heater could not do what it needed to do. Mm. We sat there in like layers of clothing bundled up you know with our arms watching a three hour ponderous <laughs> David Lynch surrealist opus. Yeah. David Lynch opus and it was wonderful <laughs> and, I, and I totally enjoyed it so yes I've I've stayed with Lynch ever since then um, and it, you know again I, I hope I hope with all my heart that we get to see at least another feature film come out well, I'm sure we will the, yeah I mean, I'm hopeful. And we can't talk about yeah. every movie.
0: But, no. I mean, maybe we fast forward to Mulholland Drive. Because I know, Carlos, that's... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that... We're pretty
1: deep into this episode already. I think, I, I think a lot of people have seen that movie. Um, it's so my, I, it's I, my favorite one. I, it's my favorite as well. And I don't know exactly how much more can be said about it. Yeah. Um, but it is fantastic. I mean, it's... You know, it, it's one of those there there are some movies and i think you know i kind of think that while i would very much enjoy being able to go see a new david lynch film in the theaters i feel like the safty brothers are kind of taking the reins a little bit in terms hmm. of what at least at least what lynch does for me obviously they're not like super super similar but the way that lynch can leave me after Seeing one of his films, Uh, like physically affected by it, like the Safdie brothers are very good at doing that as well. Um, But Mulholland Drive was one of those movies that when I ended it, I was
0: like, (sighs) "Yeah, that's a movie that requires research." I saw. I saw about (laughs) what just happened. I saw about a month ago. Introduced my son to it, Mm -hmm. and it was such a refreshing. I I was so happy to watch Blue Velvet again Mm -hmm. in prep for this. Yeah, having seen Mulholland Drive a month ago, and 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 having such a love for Mulholland Drive, Naomi Watts, who I didn't know, I don't think when she when that came out, I don't think most people did. Yeah, uh, there's a trick where she plays two characters. I didn't realize it was the same actress. Well, yeah, during the mm-hmm. film. It's it it appears to be a dream, but so much of Lynch's work appears to be a dream, going all the way back to, to Eraserhead. Is that a dream? Is that a well, nightmare? Yeah. And
2: and and it fools you too. Where like I think there there is a good portion of it towards the beginning where it feels like okay, this is fairly straightforward, and then it starts throwing you these mm-hmm. curveball, and then it gets really really strange.
0: I think that if you watch Blue Velvet, the best of the Twin Peaks original two seasons. And then Mulholland Drive, you have seen a beautiful evolution of craft, story, storytelling depth, Mm -hmm. and um, this encourages me to finally leap off and watch season three, which I haven't done. Oh, Oh, I was just gonna say I haven't haven't done. I feel
2: like Twin Peaks: The Return, the third season of Twin Peaks, is. It is as good as anything he
1: ever okay. did. I mean, I mean it, it, I'm glad to it see it. I'm it's as watching. divisive as anything he's ever done.
2: Perhaps. But the people I know who, who know what the <laughs> fuck they're talking <laughs> about um, love that fucking season. Yeah. And anybody who had a problem with it. And this is like the most Carlos moment I've ever had on this podcast. You can I'm go so fuck them no! no. Come at me. Right? <laughs> Tweet at is. me. Yeah. Whatever, you're, you know, whatever the millennials me are going to say to, like, do the thing that you're going to do to me that tells me that I'm wrong, but you're fucking wrong. Shouts because out, Papaya J. Because that Jim. is one of the great. Write a letter. Watching that as it was coming out on Showtime was one of the great pleasures That's great. of my That's uh, great. adult life. That's great. I just, I, I, it it was so good. And it, episode eight in particular. Shout out episode eight. Shouts if anybody hashtag episode eight. episode eight. If anybody is uh, Johnny James. I know you episode love. Uh, episode I, eight, I gotta hope out. Kyle Ferguson is a big episode
1: eight fan. I I, I <laughs> sense that he is. He's uh, our spirit animal. Um. Wasn't there a time when they were bringing that back, but Lynch was not attached to it? He,
2: oh, he totally, he he played that thing. Because yeah. they announced it, it was going to happen, and then they weren't going to let him have the control he wanted on the project. Yeah. And he said... No, I'm not going mouth. to be involved with it. And then Showtime uh, relented, and they and they went
0: in with all of his stuff. Yeah. I have one more beer for us. <laughs> creative, um, uh, he had full creative control. He and Mark Frost had full creative control on that. Project, yeah, he uh,
2: directed every
0: episode. He co-wrote every episode. No, it's all him. Uh, uh, it's all This him. Lynchian revival in my yeah. life, because I, I what were, what were the features post Mulholland Drive?
2: Inland Empire. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's the only okay. other feature. Yeah, I, film saw, I he's did done. see that. Yeah. Um, right, so well, so you this, this final beer? beer, I well, this was actually given to us by a friend, and I think he might listen occasionally. So Daniel, if you're listening, shouts out Daniel. Daniel. Uh, Daniel.
1: Uh, whipped cream. The coffee. Yeah. Daniel, oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he. I think he does listen.
2: Yeah. Um, th- this is uh, from Parish Brewing out of uh, Louisiana, and he's, he's we've a had them. They uh, they did
1: the rev yeah uh, yeah we had the rev yes and we haven't had it on the show but Ghost in the Machine oh incredibly popular yeah. great hazy
2: well this is their triple India Pale Ale this is Atticus Atlas I have never had this before but Daniel was kind enough to bring a can
0: to the last bottle share we were doing locally okay, Carlos get ready for it. You can hear the rev on episode sixty nine. There we go. Oh, there we go. And you can hear our review of Smoky and the Bandit and Strange Brew and their accompanying uh, accompanying beers back on episode thirty one. Yeah. So, thank you, Joe.
1: So, this is only relevant in one very minuscule way, but I, for whatever godforsaken reason, um, was asked to DJ a bingo night, which you wouldn't think like DJ bingo. Where usually you're getting shushed by old ladies at bingo. But I was DJing a bingo night, and every time the announcer called 069, the room erupted. Wow. And it was really funny because it was a bunch of older white ladies. and Wow. Uh, it,
0: was, it was a good time. I wonder if they knew why they were erupting. It, it was, it, <laughs> Atticus Atlas, triple IPA. It's hazy.
1: It sure is. And boy, does it
0: smell good. That's mm-hmm. a, and it's got a beautiful Shout fan. out, Daniel. Yeah. He, he has our back. Get a, he was the one that tipped us to off to the hard coffee. He I think he's also the one that got us pickle
2: fucker in a pinch. We are going to have to get Daniel on on sometime.
0: Uh spilled half of Daniel's beer across the table. Not half. Fuck but some asshole.
2: It's okay. We'll be fine. Um so you know th- yeah, th- for me Twin Peaks of return was absolutely everything that I could have hoped for and and it is another reason that i really hope that we still get another great lynch now it it could be a fourth season of twin peaks i'd be happy for that to come there are but i would really really love i would like a film i mean there's this project ronnie rocket that he's uh talked about for years it was it was supposed to be his follow-up to i think several (laughs) of his films um did you spill more no no he did tip the can over but there's nothing in it okay um And, you know, I don't know that that's going to come to fruition, but I would just love to see him get in there. But he's such a I mean, he is a consummate artist. Yeah. As as Joe said, he started out his career more as a painter um, and he still paints. And he got into photography, and he's released books of his photography. He's um, done music. You know, we've talked he's about this a little two, bit. Yeah. He's had He's had a few albums. Thought Gang, Thought I think, Gang, was, yeah. was one of his last releases. He has a really tight a relationship little. with the Sacred Bones label, which puts out great stuff. Yeah. Well, they put um, out Thought Gang. And they're putting out a seven-inch of uh, Jack Cruz songs. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah.
0: You, did, you didn't see that? I haven't that? seen that, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. You didn't read? I would tell you, he, he is an artist, and, and art, true artists will evoke dialogue. And his films certainly do that. And you can love him, you can hate him, but you're seeing something singular. Yeah. You're seeing the writing of a film language. Lynch, Lynch-esque, Lynchian, yeah. Tarantino-esque. Well, he, I mean, there are filmmakers that do something with the medium. Well, it
1: was made by David Lynch, so... It would have to be Lynchian. Yeah, but there's not <laughs> much of a. You got it. He, what, what is that from? The callback. Uh-uh. Um, squid and the whale. Well, oh, yeah. of uh, course uh, it was Kafkaesque. Oh, it, yeah. was, it made was written a, it by Franz yes, Kafka. Okay. Yes, okay. True. Good, true. Good. Good. True. Yes.
2: Very good. That's a callback, baby. That is. It is. Um, Episode something <laughs> something. Y'all are trying to shut me up but, so
0: I do some data searching. <laughs> but the language that he's created, you can see it. immediately well
2: he's he's the most popular surrealist of our time yeah let's put it that i mean for good reason for me yeah and to me i love i I mean I, i since i've become aware of it i've loved those artists who really try to tap into our dream lives and i mean i think for lynch his dream world is so much more colorful and disturbing than mine but I can see it, you know what I mean? it yeah. it's it's there and it and it's totally relatable in the sense that if you allow yourself to go with it, that dream logic of these weird connections that are out there, you know what I mean? like the mm-hmm. the the villainy that's in all of us and the sainthood that is in all of mm-hmm. us it's and it all coexists it It is something that I just you don't see many storytellers tap into. And he does it. And, and it, it. and he does it in a way that I just, I, I mean, I think if you're willing to go with it, it pays off. And
0: he puts it up there without reservation. Yeah. During the um, Twin Peaks season three, he did a bunch of press. And he does not do a lot of press. Right. He did a bunch of press and he said this quote, What matters is what you believed happened. I think this was probably in reaction to well, what did this mean and why did, you know. Yeah. Many things in life just happen, and we have to come to our own conclusions. You can, for example, read a book that raises a series of questions, and you want to talk to the author, but he died 100 years ago. That's why everything is up to you. He leaves it up to your interpretation, and he puts things up on the screen that are worthy of conversation and debate. Yeah. Do we know that he was from Montana?
2: Yeah, Wow. Wow.
0: Of all places. A state whose beer we have not tried. That uh, as well, yeah. yeah. I, I guess it kind of makes sense.
2: Well, he, I mean, from all accounts, his his childhood was very idyllic. It was that kind of small town um, beauty. Although w- one of the other things that we didn't mention um, that I that I had read about, I think I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, uh, was that he had a moment in his childhood. I think he and his brother had seen a woman just nude um, out side of her house or something and that it was this traumatic image for him and that was what inspired him to for the dorothy valen scene that joe was talking mm, about earlier yeah. that kind of yeah um huh. so clearly That's i mean he, yeah he, he's interested in this kind of dichotomy of you know you can exist in this kind of bubble where everything is nice but then once you
0: peel back i don't want to freak y'all out it's a little bit of a lynchian moment moment Oh yeah, squid and the whale. Uh-huh. We drank when we drank when we, fuck, edit that out. Squid and the whale was the beer that we enjoyed. Fuck me, squid and the whale <laughs> was the movie where we enjoyed Rev, episode sixty nine. Uh, oh, there we go. See, look at that. So Rob, that's Zom- a
1: callback, baby. Yeah, yeah, right. Double. What did you back. say about Rob Zombie? <laughs> well, Thunder Kiss sixty nine. what uh, I I just I just listened to. I finished in in Myers We Trust and just recently listened to them talk about the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Uh-huh. and so you bringing a Rob Zombie really was, w- like, was
2: oh, okay. Yeah, no, I was just going for Thunder Kiss sixty. We've got
0: four beers to review. Fuck me. we we
1: well, I mean, I do. We have to review. I'm
0: Heineken? going to. I'm going to. Bar-
2: okay, tell us, tell us. Wh- okay, wh- what was this, your favorite? The
1: Heineken sucks because it smells bad, and it doesn't. But the flavor wasn't terrible. It doesn't. But okay. By that logic, then the hell yeah, jalapeno pickle fucker's oh, not a terrible beer. Oh god! Come on. By that logic, because that flavor was still bad, it just wasn't. It as wasn't bad as, as bad. The odor. Okay, so the odor is not super appealing, but yeah. I wouldn't say that it's like wretched. But it's not great, yeah. and the beer is fine. Yeah. So that's probably my least favorite. The PBR yeah. is the best of those three. The Budweiser for me. The Budweiser is like. It's water more watery than I remember it. It's being. more.
2: It's got like more of a corn flavor. to It doesn't to me. taste like anything. Sweet corn is is what I get out of Budweiser. I would agree. I think I'm I'm definitely with you that Pabst is my favorite it's out of those best, three. Yeah.
1: It's the best budget beer.
2: It's the one that if You're I'm wrong. if I'm stuck, that's all right. That in it, It's the one that if I'm snacks. stuck. <laughs> did we have that on my? I don't think no, we did. We no. did.
0: If, pay, if if payday's tomorrow and you need a six pack. Paps is where you're gonna go. Yeah, 100. percent No, it'd be
2: Miller High Life, but that wasn't in the movie. Uh, yeah. So now let's bold. go to the craft. Now, now the, the now parish, parish Atticus Atlas trying to save us here. I mean, at the end, thank of the you I for mean, washing
1: trying, the
0: terrible face to <laughs> thank you, Daniel, from yeah.
1: Trying to compare. This Atticus Cloud, is that what it's called, right? Atticus Atlas. Atlas. Atlas Cloud, a film starring uh, Tom Hanks. Cloud Atlas is what, yeah. That's what I said. That was where my mind was going. Mm -hmm. Um, Comparing this to the other ones is like if I test drove a Chevy Cobalt and then a Bugatti (laughs) Veyron right afterwards. You know, like one is a fine tuned performance vehicle and the other one is like a budget, like mass produced, like whatever the fuck. Right. So obviously the Atticus Atlas. It, certainly it, it fucks it's so good <laughs> we all uh, i want fuck, fuck to fuck uh, did
0: y'all get extra hops on this it's very hoppy right
1: yeah
2: but not but i but i think in a very i mean it's not like in it's an enjoyable the super bitter hops of no. a we, of a west coast ipa mm-hmm. or something this is it's like, not like a stone brewing this IPA. is the balanced kind of uh you know approach to ipas that we have now where yeah. it's more the citrusy. Uh, heavy hops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah.
0: little better than El Chingdon. All right. Oh, my
1: God. I am no. pa- canceling this podcast. After brewing. That statement. I'm, I'm,
0: thank you for bringing this, David. Thank you for providing it, Daniel. The beautiful can art to the delicious hop flavor. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree. Beer of the night. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm not not a lot of stiff competition right? <laughs> that's true yeah i mean i don't know the hard coffee
1: definitely gave it a run for its hey, money don't forget our maui brewing company that one too um but that one's tried and true we know about that one all right um tell us what you thought about all of the oscar wins and david losses. lynch fans speak up david lynch fans speak up uh let us know if you okay i want you to answer to this question on whatever social media channel you prefer if you're going to recommend a David Lynch movie to somebody that has not seen it before. A neophyte. Yeah. Uh, I don't... That's a 50-cent word, and I don't know what it means. The, one but, who has not been exposed. Okay, one who has not been exposed to David Lynch. Um, tell us what movie that would be, or... It doesn't even have to be a movie. It could be Twin Peaks, too, if that's like how you're feeling. Uh, tell us what it is, and Heck, it just, could be what did jack do it could be what yeah. did jack do? could be and ex- justify your answer please um if you don't know where to do all of that you can find us on twitter at beer movie show you can find us on instagram at beer and a movie facebook.com slash beer in a movie tx as always beer in a movie podcast.com is our home base you can find a link to listen to this episode which you're already listening to and all of our past episodes absolutely free Uh, If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. When you subscribe, that helps you stay abreast about when we're dropping new episodes, which is every Wednesday. And if you rate and review, that helps us out a great deal. We know you're going to give us a five-star rating, but please leave us a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. Helps us with uh, programming of future episodes. This has been an extra-long, action-packed David Lynch episode. It's been a six-beer episode. That's true. We've only done that once prior. Yeah. Harold wasn't even here for this one. Yeah, shout out to Harold. Shouts out to Harold. That's my man. No, this was a one, two, three, four. Yeah, six.
0: Fuck. Sixth episode. Yeah.
1: All right. Well. Until next time. Don't toast to my health. Toast to my fuck.